0: Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast this week coming to you live from Nottingham! sitting here with Anna Tashinsky, Andrew Hunter-Murray, and James Harkin. And once again, we have gathered round the microphones with our four favourite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with fact number one, and that is Anna.
1: My fact this week is that in 2015, paramedics in Australia stopped asking patients to name the Prime Minister as a test of mental capacity... <laughs> because the answer changes so often it's no longer considered a reliable indicator.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It's absolutely...
0: And it's true, isn't it? Australia is constantly trading its PM... In fact, there's a Twitter account which is called at whoispm where it gives... (laughs) Basically half-hourly updates going, it's
2: still Scott Morrison. (laughs) So what you're saying is if you're in some kind of problem, the paramedics come along, you have to go, I just need to go on Twitter really (laughs) (laughs) quickly.
1: They did say, I think, the reason uh, the particular paramedic who was interviewed in the article I read this in, the reason he said he'd stopped doing it was because he'd actually had a patient whom he'd asked who's the prime minister, and they just said, I don't know, I haven't watched the news today. (laughs) Very
2: nice. That's a strong answer, isn't it? I I didn't really
3: know how crazy Australia... I do not know anything about Australian politics before Mm. this. And so, just to clarify it, there's this big thing of ousting your predecessor. So, in 2010, Julia Gillard ousted Kevin Rudd, and that was really exciting, after only three years. But then, in 2013, Julia Gillard was ousted, guess who, by... By Kevin Rudd. Yeah. Then in 2015, Malcolm Turnbull ousted Tony Abbott. Then Turnbull stayed on. And basically, there are so many so many PMs specifically in that short period. Yeah, it was five it
1: was five PMs in five years if you count Rudd twice, which you could because many people say he's sort of got two different personalities. Um, Wow! Wow! Wow.
0: What's amazing is none of us in this room really know anything about him, but we (laughs) all (laughs) would anyway.
2: It could have been worse. It could be worse if you're in Nepal, for instance, and you get caught in an accident. um, they, since they became a democracy in 1951, they've had 53 changes of government. Right. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot.
1: Yeah. That's tough. Although, if Australia kept up, it's one a year, uh, which it hasn't, actually, since 2015. But, you know, it would be beating Nepal. Who uh, so is
2: the current prime minister?
1: So, that's Scott Morrison now. It was okay. Malcolm Turnbull. So, they've had six They had six in seven years, which is quite good. Five in five years.
2: So, Scott Morrison, is he the one who shit himself in McDonald's? <laughs> Sorry? What? Not familiar with this. I'm, I'm not sure. See, I think that's what he's most famous for, isn't he? Yeah. I don't
1: know if that's what he's most famous yeah. for in Australia, the country where he's prime minister. He's Although Australian. Sure I don't know. Every
2: time, literally every time he goes on television, he says, oh, I'm going to be on ABC tonight. And someone replies, tell us about the time you shit yourself in McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> he's the Australian Paula
0: Radcliffe. Is that what we're saying? Yeah.
2: Well, he is running a lot for... Pre- hey. oh. Come on, guys.
3: <laughs> Top crowd tonight. Wow. Aussie <laughs> politics, it's just a bit more earthy and rude, isn't it? it really, <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, it is. It's quite... It's, the, the stuff they say in Parliament is also really rude. Mm. So I looked up unparliamentary language from the Australian Parliament. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot. Like, there is a lot especially if you include all the regional assemblies and things like that mm. list of things set. I mean they call each other nitwit, knucklehead, muppet These are, not that bad these are a bit mild yeah yeah my question is to the village idiot that was one um,
1: <laughs> and they all uh, answered yeah. <laughs>
3: It, well, there, there's more. In 1994, one member of, uh, in the Victoria House said to another one, what is the difference between you and a bucket of shit? And the speaker rightly said, that's unparliamentary language, and he said, I withdraw bucket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow.
1: It's had, it's had a long history of it. Every Australian PM has, has an offensive nickname. The first Australian Prime Minister was called Toby Tospot. Whoa. Really? they no. did that pretty much straight away. Yeah, he was Edmund Barton, and it was turn of the 20th century. And tosspot then was a term for someone who drank too much. And Toby yeah, was just what yeah. people called like him. Uh, okay. He could toss like, a pot back. Toss a pot, because yeah, yeah. yeah. a well, pot. QI, a
0: when I first joined QI, and I'm an Aussie, I should say, um, <laughs> technically. And I, went I wonder to... what
2: village is missing their idiot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, live, I'm, I am Aussie. My dad's Aussie, and my grandmother's Aussie, and I lived there for my whole high school years. And when I moved to England, I moved to Oxford, where uh, I didn't go to university, but QI was set up there, and there's a pub called the Turf Tavern. And in the Turf Tavern, on the wall, one of our prime ministers has an award, a oh. Guinness World Record, Bob Hawke, for downing the quickest yard of ale that anyone has ever done.
3: Yeah. Uh, it
0: was in 1954. It was two and a half pints he did in 11 seconds. It's since been beaten, but for the rest of his life, Bob Hawke, whenever he went to, like, cricket matches, people would give him a big pint to be like, oh, and this is like a
1: 70-year-old man. And he fucking doubt <laughs> it. And... <laughs> such a chance i think my favorite australian prime minister sorry but was tony abbott who was he was in opposition when i lived there Uh and he he's an entertaining man so he's he's very right-wing tony abbott um he's done some wacky shit so every australian knows this but it is worth watching if you haven't seen it he went to visit an onion farm in tasmania uh, or an onion seller a big onion selling company and the cameras were on and he was like god you're I won't do the accent. God, your produce is so great. Grabbed an onion, skin on, and just bit straight into it. (laughs) Just chowed right down. Was asked afterwards what he was doing. He said, people eat raw onion all the time. It's fine, in salads, whatever. The skin wasn't on. The skin was on. (laughs) (laughs) It's very clearly on.
0: Wow. And
1: then he did it again. A couple of months later, someone sent him a promotional pack of onions. He bit down on one again. Then footage was on Earth of him eating a raw spring onion. The man's got a problem.
2: What, all spring onions are eaten raw in salads, aren't they?
1: Uh, just, just on its own from okay. the floppy end. I mean, I, I think remember that's weird. I was that is
2: weird. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading once that if you hold your nose and you bite an onion, then um, you won't be able to... It'll taste like an apple. Mm. And I tried that, and it is not true. <laughs> mm.
1: Maybe that's what he was testing Uh, out (laughs) Uh,
2: The first woman to be elected in Australia Was someone called Edith Cowan And she was She won a seat in West Perth In 1921 But she had to go home Whenever she needed the toilet Because there was no female toilets Oh wow Wow. Or to McDonald's and shit herself (laughs) I suppose it's possible (laughs) Did she live nearby? Yeah she lived around the corner
3: But even so I'm not not (laughs) 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 She lived nearby Fine there was one really cool thing. In 2013, there was an election in Australia, as there were most years around then, apparently, or oustings anyway. The voting booths came with magnifying glasses oh, yeah. because oh. there were 50 parties on the ballot paper. <laughs> wow. There were wow. so many parties that you had to be able to, to zoom in. So, so yeah. Wow. Passes.
1: I know. Was that the election where... I think it was the lead-up to that election where they postponed the prime ministerial debate so much like us in Australia. They have the... Um, Incumbent or the two candidates who are going to be Prime Minister before an election go up in debates, various television debates. And the last one is a massive deal, and it's the first time ever they moved it an hour forward, I think, because MasterChef was on. (laughs) Wow!
0: Oh, it's big in Australia, yeah. It's good. Australian MasterChef is good. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's pretty good. (laughs) And they are better than the British MasterChef people. Supposedly the...
2: Ooh. Wow. Supposedly the worst uh, prime minister that there has ever been in Australia is Billy McMahon. Um, he had a bald pointy head with big ears, and one opponent said he looked like a Volkswagen with both doors open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wasn't liked by even the people in his own cabinet. Um, there was one guy who he worked with called Paul Hasluck, who referred to him as that treacherous bastard. And his um, the guy who was writing his potential autobiography said that um, he is a third-rate politician and that he could become PM is a damning indictment on the country. Half truths, lies, cheaper tracks. What an unpleasant little turd!
1: <laughs> um, another actually prime minister who's considered writing a book but apparently didn't get round to it is Malcolm Turnbull, who yeah. so last prime minister but one, and he considered finishing off his mother's raunchy novel.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: He, actually, Malcolm Tumble had kind of a sad childhood. He was very close to his dad, who tragically died in a plane crash when he was quite young. But his mother was this academic who'd run away uh, with, with another man. And she went to America. And while in America, she, so she was called um, something Lansbury. And she was a cousin of Angela Lansbury. And while oh. she was in America, oh. Angela Lansbury said to her, mate, you've got to stop writing this dry, boring academic stuff and start writing some fun shit. Wait, so s-
0: Angela, she? She's, um, is she Murder, She Wrote?
1: Do you know Angela Lansbury, right? Yeah, Murder, She Wrote. and Anyway, yeah, she wrote a few raunchy novels, which sold quite well, and then she died halfway through writing a novel called Opium! mark! And...
2: <laughs> sounds like a musical. It does. It it does. does. Quite a sleepy musical.
1: <laughs> well, I think our son might still be working on it. So now he's out of office, maybe, maybe we'll get Opium, finally.
0: Malcolm Turnbull's uh, podcast, My Mum Wrote a Porno, is going to be... <laughs> Stone cold hit, I think.
2: <laughs> on, the, on the tests that you can get from, um, oh, yeah, from yeah. people, um, from paramedics, or another one is like if you've been in a crash and they want to check if you've been drinking, right? Mm. Um, there was a thing with Tiger Woods a few months ago. Do you remember? He was in a car crash mm-hmm. and they wanted to check if he'd been drinking. Mm. And so they said to him, okay, Tiger, what you need to do is you need to say the alphabet forwards, not backwards. You need to say the alphabet forwards and you're not allowed to sing it. So, Tiger, do you know what you have to do? And he said, yes. I have to not sing the national anthem backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Queen, gracious,
3: save Oh God. You know, you know he's American. Yep,
2: cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we need to move on. Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is my fact... My fact this week is that three people were recently hospitalized after being hit by an iceberg at a Titanic museum. (laughs) So uh, this this is the Titanic museum attraction, which is in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And um, they have this giant ice wall inside of the the, uh, Mm. attraction. And it's 15 foot by 28 foot. And it's sort of—it is actual real ice, so visitors can actually touch it. And it's grown using a sort of water filtration system. And the whole thing just cracked and smashed down, and it—it hurt people, and they were hospitalised. But But I think, but they they survived.
3: They they they, survived. As in, you're saying the hearts will go on.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I think um, it's—it's time we don't put any ice near things called Titanic. <laughs> yeah. It feels like, because, you know, it, it happens a lot, doesn't it? It's not just... This I don't isn't know it...
1: how... It's, ha- it's happened twice. Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> God.
0: It's happened more than twice. Um, famously, the first time it happened. We, we've all heard of that one. 2008, uh, Carnegie Science Centre, there was a Titanic exhibit that was in Pittsburgh. Uh, they had to temporarily close due to flooding. Um, <laughs> so that stopped them. There was a Titanic musical, which was in Southampton, which had to be stopped after the replica Titanic hit the iceberg and plastic fell off the wall. That oh, was the goodness. actual iceberg, yeah. And everyone, all the audience thought, wow, that's an amazing effect. But then the crew ran out going, stop the show! <laughs> <laughs> stop! Um, I read, and I, I haven't actually confirmed this, but there was another Titanic musical incident where a burst pipe just exploded across the first three rows of the audience. Um, and everyone left <laughs> angrily, and one person went, Wow. We truly experienced the sinking of the what? Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> Need to confirm that one. Think, wow. Nice one you
1: can really empathise with you know, those figures from history. Well, yeah. there was even in 1898 a Titan ship that hit an iceberg and sank, which was a fictional ship, but a novel was written in 1898 by a guy called Morgan Robertson, who was called Futility, starring a ship called Titan... And it had been built in Britain, it was sailing to America, it was going too fast, hits an iceberg, not enough lifeboats, half the crew die yeah. in Gosh. 1898. Mm. Although prescient. there are a few details that are slightly different. It also involves, in the plot, the boat cuts another boat in half while ploughing through to the iceberg. What? And, uh, yeah, it just cuts one in half. It's okay. about this massive boat that's so huge it leaves other boats in its midst. It's sort of like a, a monster boat. And then when it crashes, the... Hero almost goes down with the ship, but thankfully he survives, I believe ends up on the iceberg, and manages to rescue the young child of the woman he fancies from a polar bear who's trying to eat him.
3: Oh,
0: <laughs> oh
1: okay. So, so
3: some of it is also... Yeah, that's yeah. close. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> apparently, the V&A Museum, they did a Titanic exhibit, and apparently... This book, Titan, was on the Titanic as part of the (gasps) reading library, (gasps) apparently. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
3: (laughs) Just quickly on Titanic. So it was called the RMS Titanic. Do you know what RMS stands for? Um, Royal Mail? No. Royal Mail Steamer, okay? Because it was a postal Uh, ship as well. There were 3,000 bags of post on board, but the postal workers, when they found out that the ship was flooding, they tried moving... 200 sacks of registered mail to the upper decks of the ship. Oh, really? They, they forced several stewards to help them, saying, look, this is the registered stuff, this is important. They, they were told not to bother, but they kept going. Um, I,
0: I always get confused about when a disaster is happening, if there's staff members working in a place, they're like dedicated to their job, to the point of like, we've got to play the music till the ship goes down, we've got to bring the mail up. Guys, if there's a fire here tonight, I'm fucking off straight away, right?
1: <laughs> I am not being like, get the audience out! <laughs> (laughs) No. Um, Um, Do you you guys know about Clive Palmer's uh, giant Titanic um, replica, (laughs) right? Clive Palmer is an Australian billionaire. No, no. no, He's he's an Australian billionaire. He's an eccentric. He wants to make Titanic 2. And uh, he's been promising it for ages. And it will be a cruise ship by his company, the Blue Star Line. And it will take the same route as Titanic. (laughs) I mean, I don't know why he thinks people would go on this. Um, But it's completely recreated inside. And he's been promising it for a long time. And sort of the project keeps happening having various issues anyway it's been moved to Europe it was the project was gonna be based in Britain because of Brexit I'm afraid it's now based in France and the yeah well if you want Titanic 2 don't leave the EU
2: (laughs) 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 if only that was on the side of a bus
3: (laughs) unfortunately it was painted on the side of an enormous ship which then sank
1: Um, but the project director uh, in Europe, is the uh, director of this whole Titanic project, is his nephew, who's called Clive Mensink. So, wow. Oh really? Yeah.
2: Nice. It's <laughs>
1: uh, Some other stuff on other weird things
2: that have happened in museums. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, this was in uh, Denmark. I was reading about an artist called Jens Hanning, And what they did was they commissioned him to do this work. They were going to give him 534,000 kroner and what he was going to do, he was going to put it in a huge sort of art installation and it would be a picture of something. They didn't know what it was going to be. And that was the average amount of money that a Danish person earns in a year. Anyway, so he went away and then he came back with a complete empty canvas uh, and it was an artwork that he called Take the Money and Run.
1: <laughs>
3: Very good.
2: <laughs> um, did,
1: did they take that...
2: In this good human spirit, which he hoped they would? The or? guy who runs the museum said he stirred up my curatorial staff and he also stirred me up a bit. But I also had a laugh because it was really humoristic. <laughs> uh, but then he did say that he needs to pay the money back. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I really like incidents of museums just, you know, making flubs and blunders and accidentally ruining exhibits and things mm. like this. So uh, the National History Museum, they released a list of their incidents in 2009. One of them, uh, slightly, shortly before that, was t- there were these things called conodonts, which are th- they're extinct eel-like creatures, okay? They had 22 of them, and they were accidentally knocked over and then hoovered up. <laughs> <laughs> which i just oh. I like. did
1: they retrieve them from the back
3: no i don't think so why oh, well i think they were ruined in the process of being hoovered up i think really? that's not well, they're just a bit fluffy yeah that's exactly right. <laughs> just slide <Okay>. that off <laughs> wow.
1: there was there was an art gallery that had um a exhibition i can't from memory i can't remember what it was but it was an exhibition that showed lots of like um, remnants from a party kind of cigarette butts and empty beer bottles and you know mm. stuff yes. strewn around and the cleaner cleaned it all up in the morning yes. that she? happens
0: a bunch yeah like yeah. Damien Hurst had one where the garbage was carried there, there was one where there was a garbage bag and they took it away and they they apologized and he was like that's fine You just gave another garbage bag <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> I'm sure I must have said it on here before but the time I went to an art gallery in uh, Barcelona and there was someone collapsed in the corner and I ran to the front and said, oh, does someone collapse in the corner of that room? And they went, no, sir, that is part of the exhibit. <laughs> and it was just a doll. And I said, oh, that must happen all the time. And he went, nope. LAUGHTER <laughs>
3: It happens so much, but it does happen with specific works of art, like either someone collapsed or just something that is designed to look like rubbish. So there was a, uh, in 2011 there was an artwork which uh, featured a bathtub with a, a sort of thick, scummy line around the inside, and that was scrubbed by an overzealous <laughs> member of cleaning staff. <laughs>
2: Did she not wonder why there was a bath in the middle of the gallery? I, well,
3: exactly. I think, that's, I think that's a fair cop actually. Um, yeah. But th- there's an article called Joseph Buys, B-E-U-Y-S B- e- e- y- Buys, who had not art, Buys, what a fun <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, never stop saying that name. It's all about the boys. (laughs) He had an artwork which was um, a grease stain, and that was unsurprisingly scrubbed. Um, And it wasn't the first time it had happened to him. He also had a baby bathtub in 1973 on display, which was wrapped in gauze and bandages. So baby bathtub wrapped up. Anyway, two cleaners uh, just took it to wash the dishes in because they thought this cannot possibly be a work of art. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I feel like all the stories involve cleaners fucking stuff up. And we a lot need to of blame maybe... on the
3: cleaners. A lot of blame on
0: the cleaners. Yeah, yeah, we need to have a conversation with the cleaners of museums saying, you see all the random fucking shit here? It's meant <laughs> to yeah, but be It's here. easier
3: if you're at the National Portrait Gallery, isn't it? It's much, much easier to tell what's art and what isn't at the National Portrait
2: Gallery. Yeah. That's true. Because it's a portrait. Mm. As exactly. yeah. It's to not like picture. you're not going to see like, a picture of someone's face and go, I'm just going to rub that off. Yeah. 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 Exactly, yeah.
1: <laughs> just going to get rid of Rembrandt's mole. Hang on. <laughs>
2: Um, Macron, the president of France, um, yeah. he did a report in 2018 and he found that 90 to 95% of sub-Saharan Africa's cultural heritage was held in museums outside of Africa. Okay, so okay. pretty much all of it's been taken out of Africa. And so there's a guy called Mwazulu Diabanza um, who is an artist and he's decided he's just going to go to museums and steal it back. Okay. <laughs> cool! And so he basically goes around. <laughs> So he goes around all these museums in France and he'll just kind of walk in and see, oh, there's an ivory spear there that was from, you know, Congo and he'll just go in and walk out and walk straight out with it. Occasionally, he did once steal a sculpture that was actually from Indonesia. Okay. Right. It was a bit of a mistake. Yeah. Um, but obviously he's been arrested from time to time. Um, but this lawyer said, I don't know of any thief who turns up to a museum and says, film me. And then, having been filmed stealing the article, puts it back. So he uh,
3: doesn't oh, put so he it does, back afterwards. Oh, yeah. uh, well does oh, right. I thought he
2: was like a reverse Indiana Jones,
3: you know? <laughs> that doesn't belong in a museum. That's a line <laughs> from the third film, doesn't matter. So, and then what, anyway, is he
2: chasing after a massive ball? He <laughs> yeah, that's
3: right. He actually, he puts his hat into a room just as there's a wall about to crush him. Yeah, it's very exciting. Just um, on
1: injuries in museums, oh yes. which this is about, there's a man who's suing Melbourne Science Works, Science Museum in Melbourne, for an exhibit they have where they have a virtual sprinter, Kathy Freeman, an yeah. Olympic medal-winning sprinter, and they encourage you to race against her on a 10-metre track. And what they have done (laughs) is they've put the 10-metre track immediately in front of a wall, a quite solid wall. (laughs) And he's suing them because he's broken two vertebrae, another bone and a rib, and lost the feeling in his arms and hand because he ran headlong into a wall. (laughs) Oh, my
2: God. (laughs) There was a French museum that was going to hold an exhibition about Genghis Khan and the Mongol Empire, um, but they were told by the Chinese government that they could only have the stuff if they didn't mention the words Empire, Mongol, Genghis, or Khan. <laughs> 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 All right, we need to move on to
0: our next fact of the show, and that is fact number three, and that is Andy.
3: My fact is that there are nine hammocks on the moon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who's but using them? There are... <laughs> also, like, no trees.
3: Yes. Yes. What a good point. There are nine tragically unopened hammocks <laughs> on the moon. Um, this is from a book called An Answer for Everything. And one of the pages is uh, about everything there is on the moon. One of the things is loads and loads of hammocks. Because Apollo 11, the uh, the first uh, man landing on the moon... They slept really badly. Like yeah. They slept appallingly, and, then, and they just got a terrible night's sleep when they were there. Well, it was sort of so. Yeah,
0: they were in the lander, and they didn't really think of that. And it's so crowded. So Buzz Aldrin, I think, was basically laying on the floor as yeah. if he was just, you know, like you would if you were drunk and you got home and couldn't find the bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, that was him, and they thought we need to sort that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So they, when Apollo twelve to seventeen flew with more uh, more manned missions to the moon, they had these specially designed lunar hammocks that would go in the lander, and and when you come back, you can't bring all your stuff with you. So they just left the hammocks behind. Yeah. And,
0: and so, yeah, and it's amazing to think about it because they would land on the moon and then they would set their hammocks up in a sort of X shape, so one lower and one above... And that's... They would just lay in it and, and just... And this, this is not
1: on the moon, we should say. This is inside the lander, Inside right? the lander
0: yep. on the moon, though. like yeah. that's, That is how they slept. Like, they were on some sort of desert island. But the problem was, and the problem with, for a lot of these missions, was the adrenaline is so great, you're on the fucking moon. You're not going to
3: sleep, right? Well, so And, and when Armstrong and Aldrin landed, they were scheduled to have a nap. Yeah. And the, and the mission control said, Right, you're on the moon, off to bed you go. And they said... <laughs> Absolutely not. not we wa- we would like to go onto yeah. the moon now, please. Like,
2: You know how, like at nighttime, the moon comes out. If you're on the moon, does it always kind of feel like nighttime? Or
1: good question. Do you think you'd just be really sleepy the whole time? I think I would. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think
2: just naturally. Apollo
0: 14, unfortunately. Where they landed with Apollo 14 was on a seven-degree slant. So the lander was just slightly tipping, which freaked the shit out of the astronauts inside. So they couldn't get to sleep because anytime time they heard a noise, they thought, we're about to tip over. And you, there, you can read, there were actual transcripts of what they were chatting about. So one transcript goes, and this is while they were trying to sleep, I think. They go, Ed, did you hear that? He goes, hell yes, I heard that. What the hell was that? I don't know. Ed? What? Why the hell are we whispering? (laughs) But they couldn't go to sleep. They were so worried about... So that didn't happen. And then slowly, Apollo 15 and 16, yeah, it yeah. got better and better.
1: I think mainly uh, they had to make it better for Apollo 15 because that was the first time they'd stayed on the moon any length of time that required sleep. They were there for three nights, and they had to do proper stuff on the moon, like collect loads of samples and so and drive. You can't drive when you're sleep-deprived. Uh, it was the first time they had, like, a car on the moon. And so they got proper hammocks, and I think they solved it by basically letting them take their spacesuits off right it was the first time that they'd allowed them to go back into the uh, lunar lander and actually strip down so that you can you know adopt a comfortable position and i I
2: suppose the reason that the hammocks are on the moon is because you need to get rid of all your stuff when you're going to take off again because it needs to be as light as possible right exactly yeah so i was speaking to this morning to someone called beth o'leary who pretty much invented something called space archaeology uh, she's a scientist and she said that basically when Apollo 11 came down at least um, for about eight minutes, um, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong stood on the corner of their lunar module and just threw anything out that they didn't need. They just threw it all out. We don't need this. We don't need that. We don't need the other. That's a steering wheel, Buzz. I'll get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> In archaeology, apparently that is called a toss zone. Mm.
1: It's because they fill the thing with rocks, right?
2: Yes, yeah. So, so
1: weird going dumping all the useful stuff and just filling it up with rocks for the way back. <laughs> but
3: <laughs> they did leave some things which now NASA would like to look at, but NASA would only like to look at them because they left them there, if you see what I mean. So, So, bags of poo, basically. Bags of uh, poo, uh, urine, and vomit. There are 96 bags of all of this stuff on the surface of the moon still today. And NASA is fascinated to know what's happened biologically with them and what has lasted and what hasn't and uh, what they could tell from it. And so, if they go back to the moon, if there's another uh, crewed mission to the moon coming up soon, it is possible that one of their jobs will be... Finding bags of poo, just doing a pooper scoop on the moon.
2: The truth is that it's not just that, it's everything that they left there. They want it to be, like, kept as it is, right? Because let's say Elon Musk goes up there for a party or something. What Mm. they don't want is him kind of knocking over all the flags and all the poo and all the hammocks and stuff. (laughs) They want it all to be as it is. And so this year, actually... Um, the 31st of December last year, uh, the US enacted the One Small Step to Protect Human Heritage in Space Act, which made it illegal to touch anything on the moon that the humans have left there. And it was really, really controversial because by law, no one owns the moon. No one owns any any of the land on there, but America owns the objects that are on the land. And so it was really dodgy. The Soviets, uh, sorry, the Russians really didn't want... (laughs) I you've made your allegiances very clear there, James. <laughs> but they didn't really want the Americans to have this kind of law saying no-one can touch this area, because they're like, well, it doesn't belong to you. Who are you to say who touched it and who yeah. doesn't touch it? And even more than that, if you look at the footprints of Neil Armstrong, for instance, theoretically, America owns the footprint, but they don't own any of the dust which creates the footprint. They okay. own the space
3: mm-hmm. directly above that dust.
2: Yeah, they own the concept yeah. of the footprint, yeah. but not... <laughs> what makes it. It's yeah. Good. Wow.
3: The, clean, the that... cleaners are going to have an absolute nightmare when they turn <laughs> up to the moon. Which bit of this is the party and which bit is to be preserved?
0: <laughs> it's amazing that, I hadn't thought of that, that in theory Neil Armstrong's one f- small step for man, that one small step is still there, right? Possibly, yeah. Possibly because it was right at the bottom of the ladder so Buzz might have landed and just smudged it out immediately <laughs> pissed off. Very likely yeah. Buzz was here, yeah. Right, yeah. right next to it. <laughs> But, like, the last thing that was left by an astronaut on the moon wasn't a physical object, but it was, um, it was the last astronaut who was there who wrote, like you would in the sand at a beach, wrote the letters TDC, and that was the initials of his daughter, and that was Eugene Cernan, the last person to stand Ooh. on the moon. And in theory, unless that bit of the moon is hit by, you know, space like just, rocks yeah, and so yeah. on, that's going to be there for at least, you know, 50,000 years because well, there's not uh, well, the you same kind of
1: atmosphere no on breeze. the moon exactly. to mess it up. So, in
0: theory, Neil's footprint, if Buzz managed to sort of, like, do a wide berth with his landing,
2: mm-hmm. um, is still there, which is amazing. There yeah. is 100 metric tons of um, human material on the moon, man-made, um, which, if you can imagine there being a massive mirror in front of a theatre somewhere in the, you know, Midlands of England, <laughs> um, it would be approximately 10 times the weight of that thing.
1: Right. That's going to mean a lot to all the listeners at home. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's also going to be
0: confusing when James boosts that laugh in the edit. Uh... Um,
3: here's one thing you can get if you go to the moon the secret to David Copperfield's magic tricks. No! Yes. Hmm. They are on the moon now. There was this private mission, it's, there was a crash on the moon in 2019, which I can't believe we didn't, more wasn't made of it. Uh, it was a private spacecraft called Beresheet. And it had a disc on it. It had a a, a sort of human library, which had Wikipedia, had thousands of books. And one of the other (laughs) things on it was the technical illustrations and diagrams for David Copperfield's magic tricks. It's not certain that it survived, but it was in a really well... It wasn't just a DVD. It was a a 25-layer sandwich of metal and resin. It was really well protected. And so it is possible it is surviving there. And Copperfield said he he was so inspired by the idea of the mission that he wanted to give away his secrets.
1: I mean, Uh, when aliens get there and find that, they're not going to have the... or the box to put the woman in. Or even the woman to put in (laughs) the box. Another thing on the moon, a bunch of flags, as we know. Very controversial at the time, whether to erect an American flag on the moon. So when Apollo 11 first went there, there was this big debate in the US, because it was that post-colonial era when everyone was saying, that was really bad, uh, where we stamped our flags in countries that weren't ours and claimed that they were. Let's not do that again. And so they said, OK, we probably shouldn't put an American flag there because it's like we're claiming it. And then there was a suggestion, which they seriously considered and almost did, to instead bring up a miniature flag for every country on Earth <gasps> for them to put into the soil at all A once. model
3: village. A little... Cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's so sad they didn't have 160 tiny flags. I think it was a relief because it sounded like a real arse ache hammering the one flag in. <laughs> right, really? okay. so What did? do you do yeah. when,
2: like, for instance, South Sudan? South Sudan. The South Sudan problem. You've got to go East back. Tomorrow. You just have
1: to go. Every time there's a new country, <laughs> you have to go back. <laughs> yeah. Please wow. don't divide into two countries. It's going to be but so expensive for NASA. There already is a, not a
3: model village, but a model something on the moon. Um, there's a model. It's a, it's a miniature art gallery which is very exciting. Oh, yeah. It's called the Moon Museum, and an artist called Forrest Myers commissioned artworks from six different artists to draw tiny, tiny drawings, and the, the engineer he, at NASA he gave it to Says that he stuck it onto the leg of the lunar module, so it's there. There's no confirmation it's there, but it's got Andy Warhol's signature. So why do you think it might? You think he might be lying, or it's no one has no one has properly confirmed. Okay. Yes, we saw that, and it's obviously the lunar module is still there, so we don't know if there's a. Wasn't tiny... Andy
2: Warhol's signature just a cock and balls? Well, it, it looks like a, it, it looks a lot
3: it? like a cock and balls. yes. Yeah. but there's <laughs> also a sketch of Mickey Mouse in that on that tile.
2: Doesn't Mickey Mouse look like a cock and yeah. balls? I think. <laughs> Flip Andy Warhol's
3: signature upside down and you've got Mickey. Yeah. I think that says more about you, James, than it does... It says
2: a lot about my childhood, doesn't it?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there's no final confirmation that there is a tiny art gallery on the moon. But wouldn't it be nice? Actually,
2: speaking of cocks and balls in space, there was um, a lot of worry um, when astronauts first went up whether... Well, not a worry, but they were interested whether you could have sex up there or not. Hmm. uh, Because... People thought that, you know, if you have an erection, the gravity might be needed to get the blood down there. Um, but luckily, there was a guy called Michael Mullane, who was interviewed by Men's Health magazine in 2014, and he said that sometimes he had a boner that I could have drilled through kryptonite. <laughs> so that's... Oh, wow! That's put that to bed. <laughs> what an image! <laughs>
0: There's some kryptonite. None of our drills are working. Can we get that guy with his rock hard boner and drill him?
3: Oh my God.
0: Imagine that guy's day every day. How was work, honey? Yep, managed to break through the unbreakable rocks with my dick. <laughs> It is
2: time for our final fact of the show, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is that deer penises are often sold with the pelvis attached, so the buyer knows they're not being ripped off with a seal's penis.
3: (laughs) If I had a a quid for every seal penis I've sent back to the shop,
2: (laughs) outraged. Well, the problem was you broke the seal, didn't you? And... (laughs) I, think, I don't think it was me who broke the seal by I'm receiving <laughs> his penis through the post. So this um, was an article on the online magazine Stuff.NZ, and it was about New Zealand's pizzle market. And New Zealand sells deer penises mostly to China and to Hong Kong um, because they're used in traditional Chinese medicine as a sexual vigour enhancer. Uh, and this was basically just telling us how well they're doing. Um, in the last year or so, they've sold um, $5.2 million worth of um, Pizzle. That's 1,700 tonnes of deer Pizzles. So if you can imagine a large sort of metal mirror that might be outside <laughs> a theatre in the Midlands, it's about 170 of those. That's how much it weighs. <laughs> I think that's since 1994.
3: Like, it's the total. Sorry, it's yeah, a, that's yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, But it's a lot. It's a lot of Pizzle. I is. didn't know anything about Pizzle before. I didn't know that was a respect. word. I did, yeah, well, I, knew, I, knew, I only knew it because I studied English and there's a line in Shakespeare where someone says, you bulls, Pizzle. Oh, that's right. a great insult. I uh, only knew it because of Snoop Dogg going, shizzle, dizzle, man, nizzle, Pizzle.
2: Yeah. I think if Snoop Dogg asks you to snizzle his Pizzle, then <laughs> <laughs> you might want to get out of that party.
3: Yeah, yeah. I regret that evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot closer than yeah. But um, c- cattle, cattle Pizzle is a sort of a dog
1: treat. I didn't yeah, know no. this. I think that's the only reason I knew it. But we've all got different origin stories for Pizzle. Yeah, you get a Bull's Pizzle yeah. for dogs. Right. They but love it.
3: but, Well, clearly they do, but it's, love it's it. very distressing.
0: I agree with Andy. I've seen those, but does it say on the packet, genuine penis? No, like,
3: I, don't <laughs> think, I don't
2: think it
0: says... <laughs> That's That's what what I, I, mean. say on I think it.
1: in the ingredients somewhere it makes clear that it is the pizzle of a bull. I don't know if it has some genuine penis stamped <laughs> across the front like a warning sign.
0: I
3: think that should be said on you things know. I'm buying. We'll all club together, Dan. We'll get you a T-shirt that says it. How about that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Do you know
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Took a while for me to get there. Yeah. But the, the, the prep is really, it's upsetting, oh, yeah. isn't it? If you're the deer. If you're the, <laughs> yeah. if you're the deer or the or the whatever. So you, you you take it, you clean it, you wash it, uh, you hang it, you stretch it, then you cook it for several days. This is the worst Daft Punk song <laughs> I've ever
2: heard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: stretch
3: it, hang it,
2: clean it, cut it. It's, it's really upsetting. Um... <laughs> It is, and actually, like, the farmers tend to not get paid for it. If you're a deer farmer, you don't get extra money for your pizzle. The money (laughs) goes... For your deer's pizzles. um, The money goes to the people who kind of um, cut it up, the butchers and stuff like that, and then they get it as an extra bit of money. And there was a guy who was in charge of um, Deer Industry New Zealand... Um, and he said that it can't be justified that you can pay them extra for it until farmers have a way of producing animals with attributes like larger tails or pizzles. So until you can find the way of making a deer with an absolutely enormous penis, right. you're not going to get paid extra for it. Because,
3: yeah. Okay, because the, the butchers have to do a lot of work, yeah,
2: basically. Because exactly.
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there is a, a big difference in value with size, isn't there? Oh, yeah. So they're sold in different sizes. You've got the under 10-inch, Lame. 10 to 12 <laughs> inches. <laughs> um, 10 to 12 inches, okay. 12 to 14. And then over 14 inches is where it's really at if you want to have all your uh, virility problems solved, according to Chinese medicine. And some are up to 20 inches long, which I think you're pretty much immortal some, once you've eaten that. Some are, some are 36. That's even longer than 20. Well,
3: that's after they've been stretched. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's after the stretching stretching process is over. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And
1: We should say the reason, or maybe you did say that the reason the uh, deer is so, well, the reason it's upsetting when you get a seal instead of a deer is because the deer is so valuable, right? A seal penis is nothing compared to a deer. And in fact, there are often others being substituted for deer penises. Like I think there's a big problem with sheep's, penis and testicles, Pizzle. So Pizzle is sort of the two together. Mm. Uh, sheep's Pizzle being sold, pretend counterfeiting, pretending to be deer Pizzle. Right. And it's because sheep have much bigger testicles and so they get a lot more bang for their buck.
2: Yeah, you but can bulk it out, because It's you. not a buck, guys. Right. <laughs> oh, very uh, nice. Uh, I, can't, I can't, in my
0: head right now, I can't picture a seal's penis no, no, you're right. So like, I can picture, I can picture a bull and a sheep, but a seal. Yeah. If we're talking, do they have testicles as well? I, I think, think they, they are inside. The They're testicles. inside. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Ah. Weird thing that just happened. I just pictured seals' penis, and that's the singer. And <laughs> <laughs> you're he's in good.
1: public, Dan. Like you're doing a show. You don't need to say everything. Why well, I, I couldn't your see head. seals,
0: but then I thought, oh, seal, he must have one, and. <laughs> Oh, my God, he does. I
2: think they have, like, a genital slit, which then opens up and the penis comes out. Seal, Seals. The singer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys heard of um, Fuchsia Dunlop? Uh, Oh, yeah. She is an English writer and cook, and she was the first Westerner to train as a chef at the Sichuan Institute Mm -hmm. in Chengdu. And she has written one of the greatest articles I have ever read online um, about cooking um, pizzles. She used some traditional Chinese uh, recipes to to do this. She made it into kind of a stew. Uh, She said the raw testicle penises in particular were a shocking sight because they were too big to fit in the fridge. (laughs) So she kept them outside on the side. Their silent presence, huge, furry and outrageous, cast a strange atmosphere over the apartment that night. (laughs) And she goes on and goes on about how she kind of cooked these things. And she said that at one stage, she says, the next step was the bleaching at which the pizzles abruptly stiffened. One of them lunged out of the saucepan when we weren't looking. (laughs) (laughs) Lunged. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I could go no. on and on, but it is the
1: greatest article. I'll put it on my wow. Twitter. It's wow. unbelievably good. She's amazing if you have done that. I've yeah. got her cookbook. She's the woman who brought Chinese cooking to the West, really. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She's still and, alive. Fab recipes, yeah. yeah.
3: Nice. Have you... You guys may have found this in the course of your research, but another use for pizzle, if you're not feeding it to a dog or, or whatever it may be, yeah. or using it in traditional Chinese medicine, is that it uh, makes a good walking stick. Um, for a very what? small person. Yeah, what, for Yoda? For <laughs> a three-foot a three three walking stick? You okay. know, that's a reasonable height. But that's, that's after, after it, it's been stretched. It's after it's been stretched, yeah. That's okay. correct. We're all... Okay, we're all on the same page now. Okay. That's a decent size, I promise. And basically, you can get these on... I <laughs> can't believe I'm having to defend a 36-inch walking... St- anyway, look, you can get them on eBay. There mm. are some on eBay, right. which are antique. And there is also a website, fashionablecanes.com, which has a lengthy section of prose about <laughs> <laughs> the legendary bull penis cane is the most unique of all walking canes. And it's, it's sort of, it's, it, there's a rod down the middle and then it's stretched over this. But it's genuine okay. pizzle being used. And it goes on and on and on about, you know, using one of these canes will shock anyone when you tell them what it is and it's sure to create an interesting conversation. Um, it lists lots of people who've used canes in the past. Johnny Depp, Madonna, Brad Pitt. None of them had penis canes, though. <laughs> <laughs> and... This website is amazing. It goes on and on. It says, even if a cow penis cane is not your style, it can make the perfect gift for that hard-to-buy person on your list. (laughs) It makes the perfect over-the-hill or retirement gift. Ah. If I retire and you guys give me a stretched bull's penis walking stick, I
2: won't take it well. Come on, you'll be absolutely delighted. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it's not very useful on a cold day when you're going for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Shall
1: we? So this was a traditional uh, sort of is a traditional cure for um impotence, I yeah. suppose. Right? That's largely what you'll grind up some bull's pizzle uh, or some deer pizzle. You'll yeah. drink it. You'll go on for years. And I was just looking at some other um, <laughs> the
3: kryptonite won't know what hit it. <laughs> <for this. laughs> <laughs> the planet of Krypton was split in two.
1: <laughs> so if the, if the Pizzle didn't work, uh, mm. quite an important part of the Protestant Reformation, according to my reading, which was biased towards the word Pizzle, fine, um, <laughs> was this other ritual that you would do to solve impotence. So this is around 15th century, 16th century. Um, it was to urinate through your wife's wedding ring. and oh, From this, what distance? Do, <laughs> <laughs> And is she wearing it at the time? (laughs) But this was cited as one of the reasons that Calvin wanted to do away with the exchange of wedding rings because uh, he was, you know, Calvin, great uh, Protestant leader. He was worried that this superstition was kind of taking over the wedding ring superstition. Men were just sort of pissing through women's wedding rings all the time. And it said if that didn't work and you still couldn't get it up, then you had to go and urinate through the keyhole of the church that you got married in. (laughs) No.
2: No. Wow, oh, wow. Yeah. That's what that TV show Through the Keyhole Used to be about yeah. it? <laughs> Who'd piss in a house like yeah. this Was <laughs> that done
3: Do you think
1: I believe it was done Well the wedding ring do- thing Was done enough for Calvin To want to ban it So I reckon the Keyhole thing Was done enough for Priests To be pretty pissed off I And would, those cleaners would, To would, be very confused yeah,
3: absolutely Yeah Yeah Wow
1: Another thing for the cleaners In the churches is, is this meant to be here This
3: urine
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm. um, Viagra does anyone need any? Because I have a bunch on me. Uh. <laughs> no, um, Viagra yeah. was invented and patented by Pfizer. Mm. Pfizer, who have just stepped up to help try and save the world with the vaccine. Yeah. Well, I've, been, I've been injected with Pfizer myself.
1: They were. You That's sound so surprised. It's not like they were a little like BlackBerry selling startup. They were just one of the world's biggest medication manufacturers the I don't, it. Well, I don't I for the think last it was ever. It was,
2: it was. never that you think you were going to get a COVID vaccine and you accidentally get a Viagra. Imagine something. that. We're all walking out with our arm in the air, <laughs> like some what? Nazi rally. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's been a mix-up with our famous vaccine. And there's a thing called low-intensity shockwave therapy. Um, which this is a proven thing that helps you um, if you have impotence problems. Okay. Um, the physician will wave a wand over your penis, <laughs> and the wand makes these tiny shock waves, little kind of what it sounds like is little clicks like <laughs> And what that will do, apparently <laughs> g- 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 <laughs> <laughs> what 's What's that flipper <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it sounds a bit like a Newton's cradle, you know, those, um, oh, like yeah. that tie. Yeah. Uh, and it stimulates the blood vessels and it, it helps you to be unimpotent. Free Willy. Oh, wow. hey. Hey. Hey, <laughs> <really>. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, that
0: is it. That is all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get in contact with any of us about the things that we have said over the course of this podcast, we can all be found on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland, Andy, at Andrew Hunter M, James, at James
1: Harkin, and Anna. You can email podcast podcast.qi.com.
0: Yep, or you can go to our group account, which is at No Such Thing, or you can go to our website, No Such Thing as a Fish All of our previous episodes are up there, as well as the link to all the Upcoming tour dates as part of our Nerd Immunity 2021 tour. Thank you so much, Nottingham. We had an amazing time. Thank you, thank you, thank you.